Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the World Teacher Program for Share International New Zealand on Planet FM 104.6. Each Friday morning, we bring you information from the teachers of the Ageless Wisdom. The purpose of our program is to introduce Maitreya, the world teacher for the age of Aquarius. Maitreya does not come alone. He brings with him the Masters of Wisdom, a group of highly evolved teachers who work in many fields and teach us the art of living, how to work in right relationship with each other. With their inspiration, we can transform our civilization, creating justice and peace and use the technological advances available to us. Approximately every two and a half thousand years, a new teacher brings a body of teaching to humanity that is suited to our needs at that particular time. Usually this takes place at the end of an age. Right now, as the age of Pisces declines and our solar system aligns with the constellation Aquarius, new energies are beginning to make themselves felt. As these Aquarian energies of sharing and justice stream into our planet, the need for change can be seen more clearly. A period of chaos ensues as the old order lessens its grip on humanity and the impulse of sharing, justice and peace inspires us to move forward in evolution as a united group. Good morning everyone and welcome to our Friday morning Maitreya programme. Our program today features extracts from a keynote talk titled The Art of Living. And this talk was given by Benjamin Krem in August 2005 in the United States. And he begins by saying, The art of living is probably the most important subject one could be talking about, although the vast majority of people on earth have no idea that living is an art. Since it is an art, it does not just happen by chance. The laws and rules underlying the art must be understood and followed. Only then will we have a world in which all its inhabitants are living in right relationship, expressing their divinity, their potential godhood. If we do not know that there are laws and rules, we end up as we are today and at all times previously, in a mess, a catastrophic situation, totally out of kilter with the idea of an art. We are in a period of extreme disarray in our world, politically, economically and socially. We are all aware of it. Increasingly, the masses of people are becoming aware of it and are beginning to fret and feel the shaping of these wrong structures, wrong laws, wrong habits, in other words, conditioning, and are seeking ways out of them. That is producing the upheaval which we see in the world today. In education, we are taught to read and write, which of course is very important. We are taught a little bit of history, geography, arithmetic, mathematics generally, and that's about all. We are taught to some extent how to learn at least the concrete knowledge of our particular science or needed skill, and that is all. But we are not taught how to live the art of living. There is no school where we can go to learn the art of living. It is a spiritual problem because the art of living is tied up with living itself. We are living at an extraordinary time, a transitional period between two great ages, so that what seemed constant before is no longer constant. Knowledge that seems certain is no longer certain. All we see is the past and possibly hints of the future, and we are torn standing in the middle. 
I would like to further this thought by reading an article that my master wrote for the October 1983 edition of Share International magazine. Before long, a great change will take place in our approach to life. Out of the chaos of the present time will emerge a new understanding of the meaning underlying our existence, and every effort will be made to express our awareness of that meaning in our daily lives. This will bring about a complete transformation of society. A new livingness will characterise our relationships and institutions. A new freedom and sense of joy will replace the present fear. Above all else, mankind will come to realise that living is an art based on certain laws requiring the function of the intuition for correct expression. Harmlessness is the key to the new beauty in relationship which will emerge. A new sense of responsibility for actions and thoughts will guide each one in every situation. An understanding of the law of cause and effect will transform men's approach to each other. A new and more harmonious interaction between men and nations will supplant the present competition and distrust. Gradually, mankind will learn the art of living, bringing to each moment the experience of the new. No longer will men live in fear of the future and of each other. No longer will millions starve or carry the burden of labor for their brothers. Each one has a part to play in the complex pattern being woven by humanity. Each contribution is uniquely valuable and necessary to the whole. However dim as yet the spark, there is no one in whom the fire of creativity cannot be lit. The art of living is the art of giving expression to that creative fire and so revealing the nature of men as potential gods. It is essential that all men share in this experience and learn the art of living. Until now, a truly creative life has been the privilege of the few. In this coming time, the untapped creativity of millions will add a new luster to the achievements of man. Emerging from the darkness of exploitation and fear, in true and correct relationship, each man will find within himself the purpose and the joy of living. And the presence of the Christ and the Masters will speed up this process, inspiring humanity to saner and safer methods of advance. A new simplicity will distinguish the coming such civilization under the guidance of these knowers of God. Already there is a growing sense that all is not well in man's estate. More and more men are becoming aware of the limitations of their lives and search for something better. They question the modes and structures which inhibit participation in the fullness of life and long for meaning and purpose in all that they do. Shortly, new energies will enter our lives and inspire men to creative action. A new and harmonious stimulus will be given to art and the art of living. A beauty not seen before will transform the ways of men and illumine for all time the nature of God. Man stands now ready for revelation. His heart and mind poised and turned to the future, he awaits the glory which, by readiness, he has invoked. And that concludes the Master's article. And Mr. Krim continues... The soul knows the meaning of life. It knows the purpose underlying our existence. It knows why we are here. We, however, do not know why we are here. We do not know who we are or our purpose. This is because we have allowed ourselves to be broken off from the source of our being, which is the soul. We do not even know the human threefold constitution. We do not know that every man and woman is fundamentally a potential God. We are sparks of the divine, fragments of the divine, with all of divinity inherited in that spark. 
The spark of God, the divine spark, reflects itself as the soul, and the soul, in turn, reflects itself as the man or woman on the physical plane. The physical plane is tied to the spiritual planes by the fact of the soul. The soul acts as the divine intermediary between the spiritual plane, which is not in matter, and matter itself, the physical plane. They are in polarity. The soul also fills the life and demonstrate the nature of the unseen aspect of man, the divine aspect, and describes that in its works, whether in science, music, painting, architecture, or whatever. It expresses itself correctly above all when it creates right relationship. It expresses itself incorrectly if the opposite results. When we look around our world today, we see almost nothing but wrong relationships. If you have wrong relationships, you have conditioning. If you have conditioning, you have wars. All the wars, the suffering, the inability of humanity to demonstrate itself as souls and incarnation are the results of conditioning. Every single human being is conditioned by the past, by its parents, by the very nature of its vehicles, which have been created for it by its soul under the law of karma. Yet no one need be conditioned. That great law determines the physical nature, the emotional coloration and the mental factor of that individual. Karma brings it about and allows it to create right relationships in its short demonstration. However short or long the life, it gives the person the opportunity to address the issues, to redress the wrongs done in the past and to resolve them, and therefore to make better human relationships in a particular life. We come into incarnation over and over again to enable us to right the wrongs of the past, our wrongs, not the wrongs of other people. Very few people in the West believe in reincarnation, although a growing number of people accept it as an intellectual idea, possibly true. They do not quite know what it means, but they say, maybe in my last life I was a cat. That is why I like cats so much. That is the understanding of Western people on reincarnation. In the East, millions of people have accepted reincarnation as part of the nature of their lives, but even they have not understood how that great law works. Life proceeds under law. Simple and obvious as it appears, it is something which has been left out of the equation. How many people, how many philosophers writing about the meaning and purpose of life write about reincarnation as one of the laws, the great law of life? It is only in the esoteric teachings that the law of karma or the law of cause and effect is realized for what it is. And Jesus put it very simply, as you sow, so shall you reap. It could not be put more simply, and you would think more understandably. As you sow, whether in a cornfield or not, you will reap what you have sown. In good soil, with good seed, if you are lucky with the weather, where then you get a good crop. If you sow bad seed and do not com- uh, do not prepare the soil properly, you are going to get a poor crop. It is very simple. He put it that way because his audience were farmers and would know what he meant. But he is talking about the law of karma absolutely clearly. He put it so neatly that nobody takes it very seriously. Just one of those truisms which are not lived in practice. The law of karma, the law of cause of, of, sorry, the law of cause and effect is the great law governing all of our existence. Every thought, every action we make sets into motion a cause. The effects stemming from these causes make our lives for good or ill. We do it to ourselves. Because this law substands the human condition on planet Earth, we are bound by it. There is nothing we can do about it except be harmless. If you are harmless, you obey the law. 
If you create right action, therefore, from right action can come only right reaction. But nine times out of ten, given the chance, humanity has created wrong action. We have always made wars. We have always stolen. We have always been greedy, selfish and complacent. All these actions which make up humanity's stock and trade are destructive, hence the fact that we have a world that is destructive. We have a world of earthquakes, floods, tsunamis and other catastrophes. We have air crashes, train crashes, car crashes and all the horrors of the physical plane. We know disease, we are killed by it, we are inhibited by it, we quickly age by it. Disease is the result of our wrong thought and action and the wrong thought and action of our progenitors because we inherit the tendency to one disease or another through our genetic framework. Benjamin Krem continues, So what can we do? It is obvious that we have to create harmlessness in every situation, in all relationships. When we create harmlessness in all relationships, we will find that the world is an easier, better, kinder, more harmonious place in which to live. It seems so simple, but we find it incredibly difficult. It is so difficult to live in a way that is graceful, elegant, and meaningful, which obeys the laws of our nature, the fact that we are potential gods, ways which are filled with creativity. We are lucky if we have the leisure to become creative, but in each leisure, most people today do not have the leisure. They may have the time, but time and leisure are not necessarily the same. They need the education and the instruction. They need the stimulus and the conditions in life of harmony, of harmlessness. They need to be eating at least once, preferably twice a day, and to know where their food is coming from. Unfortunately, there are millions of people in the world who do not have that pleasure, who hardly ever eat, who cannot remember when they last had a meal. Millions of people are dying in a world groaning with food. The world is so full of food that we do not know what to do with it. Sections of the world throw food away daily, and at the same time millions die for want of it. It is a terrible, painful situation, or should be painful. It is painful for the people who are neglected. It should be painful for all of us. It should be a pain, a catastrophe in life, to know that this continues daily, hourly, moment to moment. People are walking across deserts looking for aid agencies who, they have heard, are handing out food. Someone has said there is food being handed out, but eight days trek across the desert if they can make it. They take their children and walk across the desert. This is the reality for millions of people. It should be so shocking, so painful, that we cannot stand it for one more day. As the Master said, the time is coming when we will look back at this time absolutely unbelieving, unable to understand how we could do it. Here's a quote. When in future times men look back to these climactic days, they will wonder with astonishment and disbelief at the ease with which we tolerate the iniquities of the present, the cruelty, the potential, the, sorry, the pointless suffering which so besmirch our lives, unquote. We take it so easily, even those of us concerned about it, who write and talk about it, join groups and applaud the work of the non-governmental agencies who distribute food unceasingly. It is difficult to imagine how, as a race, we can put up with this state of affairs. As Maitreya says, for how long can you support this degradation? It is a degradation of our life. It is a degradation of our reality as potential gods. We are so-called spiritual beings who do not demonstrate our spirituality. We know it, but we do not do it. We have not the will to do it. 
Humanity in its present state is able to see the harm, the need, the horrors of today's world and shake their heads and give a donation to aid to an aid agency. What is needed is the will of humanity aroused, not just its concern, to cleanse the world of these ills. There are many more horrible iniquities in the world, terrible pain and suffering, disease and drug abuse. The use uh, we make of other people, the unbelievable intolerance we have for other nationalities, other colors of men, we think that we are quite well educated, well, well evolved, but obviously we are not. And Mr. Krem concludes by saying, I believe it will take Maitreya to show humanity this iniquity, to show just how pressingly horrible it is. We all know it is horrible, but is it pressingly painful? Can we think about it with equanimity? If we can think about it with equanimity and it does not disturb us too much, then obviously we are not all that civilised, not all that evolved. The masters see humanity as having reached a point where they have the readiness to learn. That is why the masters are here. We have invoked them by being ready as never before to follow the precepts of the masters and to create harmony and justice. And that concludes the extract from Benjamin Krem's keynote talk on the art of living. And we have time for a very brief excerpt from a message from Maitreya. This is message number 13. Each man is a lighthouse and sheds abroad his light for his brother. Make bright your lamp and let it shine forth and show the way. All are needed, everyone. No one is too small or young to take part in this great plan for the rescue and the rehabilitation of our world. Resolve to do this and be assured that my help will not be withheld. How to start? Begin by dedicating yourself and all that you are and have been to the service of the world, to the service of your brothers and sisters everywhere. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks very much for listening in today. And if you would like more information, check out the website share-international.org. And you're also welcome to contact us at sharenz at yahoo.com. Love and blessings to you all.